Hi, you're listening to the sermon podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Um, If you have a Bible with you this morning, uh, and I hope you have some sort of Bible, and whether you have one, whether you know you have one or not, um, go ahead and pull your phone out too, because there's a Bible on your phone. If it's your first time to church uh, today, first time to church in a while, um, you can use your phone. So whether you have a physical Bible or you want to use your app, Um, you can uh, pull out your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. And uh, we'll get there in just a second, so I'm not going to tell you exactly what verse yet. But uh, but as we we do that, a couple of things I want to just kind of share with you this morning. Um, Man, I want to say, uh, first of all, Thank you to our amazing team. It has been, um, as it is whenever uh, we are about to go on mission, I want you to hear some of the cool things that are happening in this church. Like, uh, you saw we just sent out uh, our first team to Athens, Greece. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be sending out a team to Oregon, which is in our country, but kind of not in our, no, I'm just kidding, it is in our country, um, but uh, we're going to be going helping uh, start uh, many churches there in the, in the Northwest, um, and so you'll be seeing us commission out a team there. We have a mission team coming in here. We have two mission teams, actually, uh, coming in the same week uh, to help us with our kids camp, and so we just have a lot going on this summer, a lot of ways that we're going to be sharing the gospel and going on mission. And, uh, and so as it is, the way that my life usually works is when that happens, when we get close to that, usually a lot of attacks come, a lot of spiritual warfare. I don't know if you've ever witnessed that before in your life, but um, it's certainly true in mine. And so um, yeah, I really appreciate our team last week as our family was recovering from uh, getting COVID and Praise God, like it was not as bad as it could have been, um, but uh, we are definitely uh, still trying to get our life straight from that and uh, figuring out what that means for our summer plans and, and things like that. So definitely appreciate your prayers for our family. We know you've been praying for us. We appreciate that and uh, ask that you would continue to pray for us. And, and I don't know, uh, well, we have an amazing team who last week I said, yeah, I don't know. I got COVID, so I don't know what we should do. And uh, and the team was like, well, I don't know, let's do a video, and we got some things going on, and so, uh, so that was just really cool that on top of their normal duties, our team was able to make something else happen, and, um, and so anyway, so thank you guys so much for that, and, uh, and uh, yeah, we just have a great team that is here and ready, and so we are blessed. We are a blessed church um, to be able to be less than a year old and be able to just roll with the punches. But listen, we knew planting a church in the middle of a pandemic was not going to be easy. We knew that we were going to have to be flexible, and there were going to be things that were going to be different than maybe what we were used to. And, uh, and so I like it, actually. I know it can stress a lot of people out, and I'm not going to lie, it stresses me out too, but I like it because it makes us more dependent on the Holy Spirit. Like it makes us less dependent on ourselves. And I just want you to think about that. When something happens outside of your control, it's actually an opportunity for you to practice more dependence on the Holy Spirit than it is for you to depend on yourself. Because I don't know about you, but my default mode is dependence on self. Like, I just wake up that way. Like, I don't, you know, I don't get that way throughout the day. I just wake up going, well, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this. And if I need you, Lord, like, I'll call on you. I know you're there. And, uh, and so uh, when, when things come into our life that we're not expecting, it shifts our thinking into being default dependent on God and not default dependent on self. And so um, I want to ask you this question. If you're taking notes, um, I want you to take notes today, whether you use your phone or a tablet. We've got uh, like some response cards on your seats that have a little tear off and it's got a place for you to take notes today. So I just want to encourage you to take notes today. And uh, as you're taking notes, I want you to write this question down. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? 
And I think it's really easy, um, especially like for me, like when I'm in the middle of, you know, uh, crisis, when I'm in the middle of things going crazy, when I'm in the middle of, you know, we're trying to plan all of these trips and groups that are going out to spread the gospel this summer and groups that are coming in and there's all these things that are constantly changing. And then my own life, like things that are happening in my life, I think it's easy to ask the question, like, what is my purpose? Like, what am I even doing, right? Um, I think this is a question many of us are asking, like a question that many of us, especially in our world today, are asking. There's something happening in our world today called the Great Resignation. Have you guys heard about this? The Great Resignation. What it means is there are more people leaving their jobs, and not just jobs, but career fields, than ever before in the history of our country. And like more people, and not just, listen, not just like leaving one job, you know, like I was working at Wendy's and now I'm going to go work at McDonald's, like, like not just shifting, but people who are just stopping work who are just saying, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but this isn't it. And I think there's a lot of factors behind this. Like, this is happening a lot in ministry, actually. Tons of pastors are leaving uh, their church right now, and they're not going back into ministry. Like, um, anyway, they're doing a lot of other stuff. They're not going back into ministry. And, uh, and this, this is happening in ministry, it's happening in the secular world, this is happening in the U.S., this is happening in Europe, this is happening all over the world, all right? There's a lot of reasons it could be, but I think one of the main reasons is that today we are faced with a lot of things, right? We're faced with mortality. Like, there's a lot of people that have died in the last two years because of this disease, and we're faced with wondering, Lord, if I'm next, what do I want to be doing, Right? Um, We're faced with a lot of things like the world is shifting and we're going, why? Maybe I should shift with it, right? Maybe maybe I'm not in my sweet spot. Then there's just a lot of people who uh, are in their 20s and 30s who, let's be honest, your 20s is really just a time to try out a bunch of stuff anyway and see where you fit. And so you've got all of these different things that are happening some caused by COVID, some caused by um, inflation, some caused by our economy, some caused by the connectivity of the world, some caused by stage of life. But I think in some ways we are all asking this question. And if we're not asking it today, I bet we've asked it in the last two years, or we will ask it in the next two years, what is my purpose, right? If you're in your 20s, you're asking, what is it? If you're in college, you're going, what should I major in? If you're in your 30s, you're going, man, am I in the right job? Is it too late for me to change? Should I go back to school? If you're in your career, you're going, well, maybe I could try a different career. If you're at the end of your career, you're going, I don't know, I was going to retire in two years, but maybe I'll just do it now. Like We're asking all of these questions that relate to what is our purpose. Well, I want you to hear me say today, and not just me say, but God's word say, that God has an amazing kingdom purpose for every single follower of Jesus. And the good news is this. He's already told you what it is. Like, like this is one of like the word purpose, the thought of purpose in life does not have to be a scavenger hunt. Like, like if you're a follower of Jesus, you are never looking for purpose. You might be looking for a career. You might be looking for a job. You are never looking for purpose because purpose has already been given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Like Jesus has a plan for the salvation of all the earth and you and I are included in that plan automatically. Like automatically, as soon as you enter in the fold, as soon as you start following Jesus, you are immediately entered into his amazing kingdom plan, his amazing kingdom purpose. Like you are given this amazing purpose automatically. It's not a scavenger hunt. You don't have to try to find it. You don't have to get some clues. You don't have to do all this stuff like, like you already receive it. So you may be going, okay, Brandon, what is it? Like, like what is this kingdom purpose? Well, you're in Matthew chapter 28, right? Uh, Go down with me to verse 18. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Now, I want to set it up for you today. And this isn't the main scripture we're going to be in, but it is our launching pad for today. And so the, the backdrop of this scripture is that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Now, I don't care who you are. If you've risen from the dead, you have my attention. 
All right? It doesn't, I don't care who you are. I don't care like what. It, I don't even care if you're real. You could be in a movie. If you've risen from the dead, you have my attention. And Jesus has done just that. He has risen from the dead and he gathers his disciples up. And at this point, like I believe he could have told them to do anything and they would have done it. Like he could have told them like, hey guys, my great purpose for you, when I go to heaven, I want you to, to stand on your head and say your ABCs and spin around three times like, and do the hokey pokey. Like he could have said that and everybody would have been like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, whatever you say. Like he's risen from the dead. So what did Jesus say? was our purpose. Like, what did Jesus give to us before he left? So let's read Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Isn't that so good? Guys, that is good news. That means the one who created the earth has all authority in the earth. That means the one who is good, the one who is compassionate, the one who showed great mercy, the one who can forgive all sins, also has all the authority in the heavens and the earth. So, what does he use that authority to tell us to do? Look at verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, or that word may say obey, all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So if you're like writing things down, I want you to just, you, maybe this is something you could mark in your Bible or write on your notes. This is our kingdom purpose. This is our kingdom purpose. Now, somewhere along the way, we got a problem. And our problem was that we started treating this verse like it was for super Christians. Like we started treating this verse like it was just for pastors. And honestly, I think growing up like myself, I grew, some of you may not have grown up in church. I grew up in church and uh, I was just always told that that verse was for pastors, professionals, and the, the big word, missionaries. Like people who were going to go to like crazy places and tell people about Jesus. And so I didn't have to worry about this. But church, listen to me. This is not a command for you to do something. Because some of you may read that and go, well, I don't want that to be the purpose of my life. Like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a professor. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a businessman, a businesswoman. Like, I want to be a mom, a dad, a parent, a husband. Like, like, you may be thinking these things, but listen, what if I told you you can be any of those things and still fulfill this amazing kingdom purpose? So the word that we use at Impact to describe this kingdom purpose is this, and I want you to write this word down, multiplication, multiplication. This is the word. And you may, you may hear or see or read this word, uh, especially when you are, are at Impact Church. And, uh, and so over this series called We the Church, we've been talking about core values of our church. Like a core value is something that means a lot to us, right? A core value is a, is a core conviction. Like it's something that you just are convicted of and nobody's going to change your mind about it. Like we all know like certain things, right? And you're like, no, like we can argue and fight and you could bring out all these statistics and you could bring your facts and I'll bring my facts. And at the end of the day, we are wasting our time because you are never going to convince me that there is a, a better fast food joint than Chick-fil-A. Like you're wasting your time, right? Like there, we could talk and talk and talk and it's just not going to matter. Like it is a core conviction, right? That's what a value is. So when we talk about having a value as a church, we're talking about this is a core conviction that is going to drive us, not just now as we're starting this church, but as this church continues 20 years from now, this is going to be something that isn't going to change. That though the culture may change, though people's opinions may change, though the people in this church may change, this conviction will never change. Another way that we think about a value is like guardrails right? Like if you think about a value, it's like a guardrail that keeps you from going off the deep end. Like, like whenever you start to sway in one direction, it just kind of brings you back. And having these values guide us. And so the values we've already talked about as a church, we've talked about the value of um, community, 
biblical community. We've talked about the value of the gospel. Last week, we talked about the value of compassion. And this week, we're talking about the value of multiplication. And so when we say multiplication, I don't want you to, to sit back and go, oh, what, what is he talking about? What does that mean? I'm talking about the passage we just read. Going into all nations, making disciples, teaching them to obey Jesus, and baptizing them. All right? So here's what I want to do. Like, as we're planting a new church, we want to make sure that we're taking our cues from the Bible. All right? We want to make sure that like everything we do lines up with Scripture because never again will we get a blank canvas to say, here's the church that Jesus wants. If we're not careful, we'll start trying to make a church that we want. And uh, that may be good. It may not be good in other ways. We want to make a church that God wants, and the best way we do that is by reading God's Word. So turn with me to the book of Acts in your Bibles. Acts chapter 9. And uh, as you turn there, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 20. Okay, Acts 9, 20. As you're turning there, I want to set it up for you. There is a guy named Saul. Okay, now you may know him better as Paul, but we don't call him Paul yet. His name was Saul before it was Paul. Now, Saul was a bad dude. Okay, Saul like made it his job. His purpose was to destroy Christians. Like, it was literally his purpose. It was his motivation. It was why he woke up in the morning. Like, he woke up in the morning thinking about, how can I destroy Christianity? Okay, that was the apostle, well, that was Saul, okay, before he was the apostle Paul. Then something crazy happened to Saul. Saul was on his way one day, ready to go shut Christianity down. Like, he was going to just go, he was going to go to the judge. I mean, he had already killed Christians, like literally like murdered them, taken their life. Now he was going to go and, and, and politically just end the movement. When he's on his way, on the road to Damascus, he literally comes face to face with Jesus. Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus and basically says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you against me? Instead, he says, listen, I'm actually going to use you uh, to, to, to reach the nations uh, using the word Gentiles. Like, I'm going to reach you to use these people. Um, and so through a course of events, that's what happens in Saul's life. So Saul, like, like God, Jesus gives him a new name. Now his name is Paul. And now he's going to go on to write most of the New Testament for us. Well, God writes it, but he uses Paul to do it. He's going to go on to plant so many of the churches that would continue to plant churches until they got to America. Like, like this is who this guy is, okay? So we're picking up the story as Saul, the word about Saul is starting to get out to the disciples. And the problem is they don't know that he's become Paul they think he's still Saul. Do you see the problem here? So they're like, you hear, hey, Saul is coming. And as a Christian, you're going, like, batting down the hatches, like, lock the door, everybody under the bed, everybody, like, nobody make a sound, like, he's going to come destroy us. And meanwhile, it's like, friendly little Paul, you know, he's coming in going, Do you, have you heard about Jesus? And so this is like, kind of what's going on, okay? So I want you to hear Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 20, that's the backdrop, and let's pick up in verse 20. And immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, talking about Saul, saying he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose? I want you to look at that word purpose in verse 21. Has he not come here for this purpose? To bring them bound before the chief priests. And so you look at that like they're going, well, wasn't his purpose to destroy Christianity? Wasn't his purpose to stop multiplication of the gospel? Like, wasn't that his purpose? But look, when he started following Jesus, he got a new purpose. Look at verse 22. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. 
And so, like, look at the change of purpose between not following Jesus and then following Jesus. Like, before he followed Jesus, his purpose was to destroy Christianity. Now that he follows Jesus, his purpose is to continue to multiply Christianity all throughout the nations. Okay? So when we follow Jesus, church, listen to me, we are given a kingdom purpose. Like, you have a new purpose. Like, your purpose in life is no longer to serve yourself. And you go, yeah, but Brandon, I'm not killing Christians. And I'm like, well, praise God, because we got laws against that in this country. What I'm saying, though, is that like you have a purpose that goes even above and beyond like the measly purpose that you can create. And I don't mean to speak down to you. I'm just saying like, like the purpose that I had for my life when I was 21 years old is vastly different. And may I say at this point in my life, vastly less than what God's kingdom purpose is for me today. Let's keep going in uh, verse 23. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Isn't this crazy? Like many days had passed, somebody was preaching Jesus to the Jews. These are the religious people and they're ready to kill him now. Isn't that crazy? They're like, they thought he was coming to kill them. He wasn't. He was coming to preach the gospel. Now they're ready to kill him. All right, look at verse 24. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night, let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Okay, so just put yourself in Saul's shoes for a second. Okay, you're going to kill Christians, you meet Jesus, Jesus changes your life, gives you a new kingdom purpose, so you go to hang out with the Jesus people, now they're ready to kill you, so then some people who get what's going on in the middle of the night pick you up from your bed, put you in a basket, lower you outside of the house, then you're gone. They say, hey, go find Peter and James and John and all those apostles. They'll be a safe place for you. He shows up and everybody goes, oh, it's Saul. Close the door. Don't let him in. Like, just imagine, okay, what this dude is going through. Look at verse 27. But Barnabas, praise God for Barnabas. Every church needs a Barnabas. They took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. All right, now listen. I want to explain kind of what's happening there. So, so Saul finally gets with Barnabas. Barnabas brings Saul in and says, hey guys, don't worry. He's a nice guy now. He's one of us. Jesus has changed him. They're all like, oh, okay, well, welcome. And, and basically he says he goes in and out, in and out, preaching the name of Jesus, like hanging out with the disciples, hanging out with the non-disciples, like everywhere he goes, he's preaching the name of Jesus, but he keeps coming up against opposition. Like then it wasn't the Jews that wanted to persecute him. It was the Greek philosophers, the Hellenists that wanted to persecute him. And then it wasn't them. It was like other people who wanted. So finally they said, hey, I think we're done here in Caesarea. Saul, you hop on a boat and go to Tarsus, all right? So then they send him out. Well, did you know, like, like as they're doing that, they are literally sending the gospel to Tarsus. Like, they're sending Saul, but they're sending the gospel. This is the picture of multiplication. Like, this is the picture of opposition came, and they didn't bunker down in a bomb shelter. They just sent him to the next place. And so, literally, Satan brought opposition to kill Paul or Saul, to kill the gospel, God used it to actually take the gospel and multiply it and send it somewhere else. So listen, worldly opposition cannot defeat your purpose. Worldly opposition cannot defeat your purpose. Your coworkers don't like you? That does not defeat God's purpose in your life. Your, um, your, your family doesn't agree with what you're doing for the Lord, that does not defeat God's purpose in your life. Like, like you 
feel uncomfortable, you feel like you can't measure up, you feel inadequate, that does not defeat God's kingdom purpose for your life. Like, like all it does is it may reshift something, and that's okay because it just sends the gospel with it, okay? So that's what's happening. That's the picture of multiplication. But we're not done. I want you to read verse 31 with me. And in my opinion, this may be the most important verse because it's the summation of what we just read in verse 31. And this is the verse we're going to focus on the rest of our time together today. So the church. And I just want you to look at that. So the church. Like, like we've just read a bunch about Saul, the disciples, Barnabas, the apostles, and it'd be really easy for us to sit back and go, you know, I'm no Saul. Like, honestly, like Jesus didn't come face to face with me on a, on a road and like tell me what to do. I'm no Saul. I'm no Barnabas. Like nobody's written about me in a book, at least that you know of, right? And like they go, I'm no Barnabas. Uh, you, maybe you look at that and go, I'm not one of the original disciples. I've never done any of the crazy things they did. So listen to what the book of Acts says. It sums all that up and doesn't say, so Saul. It doesn't say, so then Barnabas. It doesn't say, so then the disciples. It says, so then the church, the church, you, me, us, together, the church. What did the church look like when this happened? What was the church doing? See, we can read these stories and get so caught up and think the Bible is just for the rock stars. It's just for the professionals. It's just for the all-stars. Can I just say this? There are no professionals in Christianity. There are none. I don't care how many degrees you have, how many blogs you write for, how many conferences you speak at. I don't care what a good speaker you are, a good musician you are. There are no professionals in Christianity. Professionalism kills Christianity. Like, Like Christianity is full of a bunch of nameless people that you and I will never know that had a godly kingdom purpose that changed the world. And so what we see here is, so the church, nameless people, people who they, they didn't sit down and write Brandon and Ellen and Wesley, what, I mean, Alan, like nobody did that, all right? Like nobody, like he didn't go down the list, <laughs> go down the list and do that, all right? He just put the church and, and, and the church was okay with it. So listen, all right, sorry. So what did the church do? So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria. Now there's a whole message in that, and I don't have time to get into it today. Listen to what happened. They had peace, and it was being built up. So while all of this was going on, while all of this with Saul was happening and Barnabas and Saul was going out and people wanted to persecute the church and people were out to get the church, while all this is happening, there's a bunch of nameless ragtags out there who have peace together and are being built up. And look what else. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What did it do? It multiplied. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It did not multiply just because Saul got sent out. It did not multiply just because there were some rock stars that were really good preachers. The church multiplied because the church did what it does. It was at peace. It built each other up. It walked in the fear of the Lord through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And that's what led to the multiplication of the gospel throughout the world. So I want to share with you today three things about the value of multiplication and ultimately your kingdom purpose, okay? So these are just a few things that I want to share with you today. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these things down. When it comes to the value of multiplication, I want you to write this down. Number one, God wants to use me. God wants to use me. Not your neighbor, not somebody else, not someone who's more talented, not someone who's more extroverted, not someone who's got more experience, not someone who's smarter, not someone who gets it more, not someone who's been a Christian longer. God wants to use me. 
Multiplication means every Christian is a missionary. Multiplication means every Christian is a missionary, not just super Christians. Now, when I use that word missionary, this is not to say that everybody needs to go out and move to Kenya tomorrow. But it is to say that it is time for all of us who follow Jesus to be missionaries in Fredericksburg, right here. Because if you're going to wake up in Fredericksburg tomorrow, then you're going to, and you're a follower of Jesus, you are also waking up as a missionary in Fredericksburg tomorrow. It's your life. It's, it's literally what you are. And so what we've got to do is detox the word missionary in our minds. Missionary is not a vocational calling. It can be. It can be. Okay? I'm not saying it's not for everyone. But for, for most Christians, being a missionary does not mean it has to be a paid full-time position. It just means you've been saved by Jesus, and when you were saved, he gave you a kingdom purpose. That's what being a missionary means. So it's not a matter of, am I a missionary? And it's not a matter of, what is my purpose? Listen to me. No follower of Jesus should ever be asking, what is my purpose? We already know our purpose. It is to make disciples, to teach others to obey Jesus, to baptize people, to follow Jesus as closely as we can. We already know our purpose. The question is only where and how. Where do I live out this kingdom purpose? Well, for those of us who will wake up tomorrow in Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg is the answer to your where, okay? Um, you do not have to wait and go, well, you know what? I think maybe in 12 months I might be living here. Or you know what? In two years I might become a missionary to Germany, okay? That's fantastic. That's great. But tomorrow you're going to wake up somewhere. And if it's in Fredericksburg, you're a missionary in Fredericksburg. Then the other question becomes, how? How should I be a missionary? Well, what are you going to do tomorrow? That's your how. Where, you say, well, Brandon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to hang out with some people and, uh, and enjoy my summer vacation. Great, you have just become a hanging out with people missionary. Like, go hang out with people with a kingdom purpose. <clears throat> you say, well, Brandon... Um, I'm going to be a, um, tomorrow I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to go work at the defense de department for DOD. And I would say, great, this is amazing. So many people for so many years have said, we've kicked God out of our government, and you're telling me that you're going to go to the Pentagon, and we're going to send a free missionary on the government's dime to the Pentagon tomorrow? Praise the Lord. This is awesome, all right? So it is not a matter of what is your kingdom purpose. It is only a matter of where is that purpose and how are you fulfilling that purpose, okay? That is what the Lord Jesus has given to us. And that purpose is multiplication. This is how the gospel spreads best. In fact, every major church planting, disciple-making movement in history was led by a bunch of nameless church people. In fact, most of those nameless church people were under the age of 18. So most massive spiritual awakenings and movements in the world have been led by nameless teenagers who were just following Jesus. Man, this should give us a lot of hope. This should let us go, man, if God could use a nameless teenager, what could he do with a nameless 30-year-old? What could he do with a nameless me, right? Um, I'll give you an example. Okay, uh, you might remember, and this uh, analogy has been used by a lot of people. And I actually checked the math uh, <clears throat> a couple of days ago to make sure I had it right. But uh, uh, this is what it says. All right, so and maybe you remember this word problem from middle school. Uh, the teacher would ask, would you rather receive $10,000 a day every day for the next 30 days or one penny every day that doubles itself for 30 days? And when you're in seventh grade, you're going, show me the money, baby. I'm taking 10 grand every day. <clears throat> Can I just say, <clears throat> excuse me, that's not a bad decision. Because at the end of the month, you will have banked $300,000. And that's a good month on anybody's standards, okay? $300,000. But there's a difference. Because had you chosen to take a penny that doubled itself every single day, at the end of 30 days, you would gain 
$418.23. So which one would you, then which one would you rather have? Well, $300,000 is a nice payday, but show me the 10 million bucks, baby. Like, I, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm going, okay? And that's what we learn. Like, but guys, that's the difference in, in just simply adding to something and a multiplication movement, okay? Like, like a multiplication movement moves things in, in discipleship terms. Brother, there's a reward for you in heaven. Thank you. In discipleship terms, it looks like this. Let's say that I had, um, uh, let's say I, I choose Dave Rainey, okay? I take Dave Rainey and I teach him how to teach someone else how to follow Jesus for one year. I spent one year with Dave, and at the end of that year, Dave says, you know what, I think I could teach somebody else how to follow Jesus. And then Dave went and taught someone else how to follow Jesus, and then I went and found someone else and taught them how to follow Jesus. And, and I did that for a year, and Dave did that for a year, and then that other person did that for a year, okay? After, after all of that, in 30 years, we would lead a billion people to Jesus. Do you hear that? If you invested in one person for one year and then taught them how to invest in one other person for one year, and then you went and did it again the next year, and you did that for 30 years, you could start a movement that would lead one billion people to Jesus. Instead, somehow, we as the church have gotten obsessed with let's just get, let's just get a thousand people into a room, take a bunch of pictures, post it on social media, show everybody we've got this great program or an amazing show, and we call that, that's no movement. That's no discipleship. And it certainly is no multiplication. That is what we call addition. Addition is when you just try to keep adding. Let's keep having events. Let's keep adding programs. Let's keep doing more and more and more so we can keep adding to the number. And what, and what happens when we fill this room up? We knock a wall out. What happens when we fill the building up? We build a new building. Because it's all about cramming as many people into one space as we can fit them. That is addition. And brothers and sisters, let me just tell you, not much discipleship happens in an addition philosophy. Multiplication says, well, we filled this room up. What should we do? Maybe we could knock a wall out for a little bit, but I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to send some people out to go do this in another part of town that needs more disciples made. And, we're, and then they're going to do it. And then we're going to do it again. And then they're going to do it. And then, and then pretty soon it's like Oprah. It's like, and you get a disciple, and you get a disciple, and you get a disciple. And it's, we're just making disciples everywhere for the glory of God. Church, this is why multiplication is so important. And, and it is biblical. Like, addition is not biblical. It is what we do to make ourselves feel like we have gone... Now, listen to me. I am not opposed to large crowds. I want as many people to come to Jesus as possible. I am just pro-spreading the gospel to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. I am just pro-the gospel moving and not keeping the gospel for ourselves. You guys know the old song, like, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. Hide it in a building? No. We're going to let it shine. Like, it's got to go. It's got to be multiplied. It's got to keep going. And I hope what you see here through this passage is that it didn't take a bunch of all-star theologians for the gospel to move. They took a bunch of nameless, ho-hum, average Joe people in a church that just made one disciple who made a disciple that made a disciple, and then the church began to grow. So, if you're taking notes, here's number two. The second thing I want you to see about multiplication is that the Holy Spirit will comfort you. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. Now, this is so important because as I'm talking about this, no doubt you are, some of us are getting a little overwhelmed. Some of us are like, ah, oh, Brandon, I know. I know it's biblical. I know it's right. I know I should do it. But man, this is scary. And I would just say, I know. It is so scary why do you think Jesus told us he would be with us? Because it is scary. Like, we don't ask Jesus to go with us when we're doing something that's really safe and comfortable, 
right? When you're doing something that you are confident in, that you are comfortable with, that you feel secure in, you usually don't stop and pray and say, Lord, be with me right now. You just go, oh, I know how to do this, and you just do it. But when we do something that makes us feel insecure, when we do something that is out of our comfort zone, when we do something that we don't feel equipped all the way to do, what we're doing is showing that we have to depend on the Holy Spirit. And so in the Great Commission, what we read in Matthew 28, Jesus said, and I'll be with you. And I'm convinced the reason he said that is because after he said, go into all the nations and, and uh, make disciples, he saw the look on the disciples' faces. And he said, and I will be with you. And I'm so grateful that Jesus is a mind reader. And he knew in advance that we were going to be really intimidated by this calling of multiplication. But church, I just want to tell you, be a little intimidated because it is a job bigger than what you and I can handle. Planting a church is bigger than of a job than you and I can handle. We know exactly how to go get a bunch of people from one church and bring them to this church. We know how to do that. We could have already done that. And then we would look and feel like a nice, safe, comfortable church that just said all the right things but didn't have to do them, right? The, the, the thing is, guys, we're not going to do that. They're not coming. We are going to go reach new disciples of Jesus. And that's how the church is going to grow. And the reason we're going to do that is not as a punishment for ourselves. Oh, I'm so worried about that. The reason is because when it happens, we will have no choice but to bow down on our knees and give worship and praise to Jesus. Because we will know that only Jesus could have done that. That we will live in a church that is full of changed lives. That is full of souls. That they come in and go, oh man, I, I saw you downtown last year. Like, like you, 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 you follow Jesus now? Like, and they're going, yeah. And we're a church full of the people who go, that person goes to your church. That person follows Jesus. Be careful about that person. Man, I want a church full of people we got to be careful about. Because that means that the right people are coming to follow Jesus. And so guys, my, my thing is, be intimidated. But listen to me. Do not be worried. Do not be worried. This, is not, this mission is not up to you, and it's not up to me. We just live in our purpose, and Jesus does the saving. Jesus does the life change. You and I don't have to change a single life. All we got to do is live in our purpose, walk in our purpose, and the Holy Spirit will comfort us. So that's what we saw in Acts 9.31, that as the church did this, the church lived in peace, the church walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And if you're taking notes, write this down. This is number three. Number three is to walk daily in the fear of the Lord. Multiplication means we walk daily in the fear of the Lord. This walking daily is walking in the purpose that God has for you not walking in your own purpose. So many times, we have crafted up a beautiful purpose for our lives. And can I just tell you, God's big enough to use it. But God's also big enough to wait <laughs> until you come, join my purpose. Join the kingdom purpose that I have for your life. Listen, <clears throat> for us, what that means is we can't multiply something we don't have. And you will reproduce what you are. And if we are a church full of people who don't walk daily in the fear of the Lord, then we will reproduce a people who do not walk daily in the fear of the Lord. And we may, at the end of five, ten years from now, we may have a thousand people coming to this church. But the sad part would be that that may be a thousand people who are just attending church who do not walk daily in the fear of the Lord. And that's not our goal. And so church, multiplication comes from your personal daily walking in the fear of the Lord. Because however you're following Jesus is how you're going to teach someone else to follow Jesus. If you don't read your Bible, then when you teach someone else to follow Jesus, they're going to learn that they don't have to read their Bible. When, when you don't walk in fear of the Lord, someone else watches you, they go, oh, I can still follow Jesus and live however I want to. That's great. Sure, I'll follow Jesus. 
And at the end of it, we may have thousands of people, but they are not going to be true disciples of Jesus. They are just going to be church attenders. Guys, this is why multiplication has to start with us, me, you, walking in the fear of the Lord. I love that God was launching a worldwide movement. And the way the church was described was they were at peace, they had the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they all just walked around scared of God. That was, that was the church. Like me, I'd be like, we got to get, we got to get blog posts and we got to boost our internet presence and somebody's got to write a book real quick and we got to get all this stuff going. We got to put up posters and flyers and I'd be thinking like, we got to do all of this stuff. And the church in the middle of a worldwide multiplication movement that they didn't even know about was happening just because they were being obedient to their purpose in the Lord said, well, we just walked around. I, we just walked around in fear of God every day. And like, I just believe if we would have brought one of these nameless church people and, and, and brought them up to interview them for our go time, so tell us, what was it like being a part of the first church that multiplied the gospel all around the world? And they go, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just felt really comforted by the Holy Spirit. And I, uh, we, there was just so much peace among what we were doing. And, and uh, yeah, we just walked every day like God was bigger than us. And that's how we lived. Many of us would put our pens down and go, well, that's not worth writing down. I'm not going to write that down. I knew, yeah, I knew that. But give us something good. And guys, what if the good really is that simple? What if the good really is to walk daily in the fear of the Lord? To, to know that God wants to use us and to know that the Holy Spirit will comfort us. Guys, listen, one of the, 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 the main vision of this church is to change the world. And I know you can look around and go, oh, this group of people, there's no way we're going to change the world. But listen, I think one person discipling one person every year for 30 years and reaching a billion people is, I would call that world changing. But listen, we're not going to change the world by maintaining what we already have. If we're here and we go, man, our job is just to maintain what church should look like in my eyes, we will never change the world. You will never change the world by maintaining your status quo in your relationship with God. In your personal walk with God, if you go, man, I'm content where I'm at, this is it, you'll never change the world. We as a church will never change the world if we go, man, uh, this is the way we've always done church, so this is the way we got to hold on to. we got to cling to our traditions. We will never change the world by maintaining what we already have. We will never change the world by addition to what we already have. We will never change the world by just coming up with more marketing and more events and more programs to, to add more people to a number so that we can just keep them and build our empire. We will never change the world that way. We may get notoriety or popularity, but we're not going to change the world. We will change the world by multiplying disciples that multiply community groups, that multiply churches, until everyone has heard the gospel in the world and Jesus Christ returns. That is world changing. I want you to look at it this way. The vision of this church is this is not that all of a sudden one Sunday we would walk in and there's 500 people here. We would break all sorts of fire codes and it would not be pretty for anyone. The goal of this church is not that. The goal of this church is for everyone in this church to go make one disciple and to teach them how to make a disciple. And then what's going to happen is if I teach you to make a disciple and then you teach someone else to make a disciple and then I teach someone else to make a disciple and they teach someone else to make a disciple, now we've got like, I don't know, I just lost the math, but like six or eight people, right? Now, what do we have? Well, we've got a community group. So now that group is meeting and they keep making disciples, but now as they're making more disciples, they, they've got like 20 people and that's not a community group. Like that's a small church. So what are they gonna do in that community group? They're going to multiply that community group. And they're going to take, I don't know, six, eight people out of that community group and purposefully send them out. Notice I did not use the word split them off because split is a bad word in this church. Okay? That's when a church um, 
uh, what's the opposite of addition? Subtraction. That's when church subtraction happens, when you split, okay? Have some more water. <laughs> All right? Multiplication happens then. What would happen now we've got two groups. And then they're going to do it again. They're going to make disciples, and they're going to make disciples, and then they're going to go, well, we've got to start another group, and we've got to start Now we've got like four groups. Now what do we have? We've got a church. And then that church is going to keep doing that until finally we go, man, we can't fit everybody in the room. Let's start another church. And then we send a group of people out, and they go start another church somewhere in northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., I don't know, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Hungary, China. They go start another church. And then, then that church is going to just do it all over again. And then we do it all over again. And we just keep doing it until there are disciples made, groups meeting, and churches planted all over the world. And people come to know Jesus. And then the whole world hears about Jesus. In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says, I will return. And Jesus comes back and makes all things new. And that is how we change the world. What we're learning right now is that in the next five years, 55,000 churches are going to die in our country. In our country alone, in the next five years, 55,000 churches are going to die. That is a lot of churches. Now listen, these are pre-COVID stats. So these numbers are higher than what, they, what I'm reading to you because of COVID. The percentage of Americans who attend church at least once a month will drop down to 14% in the next five years. That means 14% of our country will go to church somewhere at least once a month in the next five years. And did you know this? Only 1% of churches that are growing in our country are growing with new disciples and not just transfer growth from another church. Only 1%. So when you take the top 100 fastest growing churches in our country, only one of them actually grew with new disciples and not just taking unhappy church people from another church. Guys, we have a lot of work to do. And this is why we're starting this church. Because how many of you believe something's got to change? How many of you believe that we can go back to the church of the Bible? How many of you believe this really is enough for us? How many of you believe we really do need the gospel? We really do need more biblical churches and not just random churches. How many of you believe we really do need a movement of the Holy Spirit in our land today? Like how many of us are going to leave here today burdened by these statistics and not just go, yeah, I knew that, but burdened and go, man, I got to be a part of this. I got to be not just a part of this, but we got to hurry up and do this so we can go start another church. Because we got to keep, somehow we got to make up for 55,000 churches that are about to die in this country. Like, we got to go. Man, how many of you are ready to do this? Look, look, I just, wanna, I just want you to think about it like this. How many of you have ever played this game before? Throw, throw the game up on the screen. This has become one of uh, mine and Zeke's favorite games. You guys played this game before? All right, it's so good. And uh, this, uh, Zeke and I played this game for about three hours on our way to England on the airplane. And uh, he, he loved it. And, uh, and so I, I love this game. All right, Battleship is like one of my favorite games ever. And, uh, and so we have this thing that we say uh, at our church. And most of the time we say it um, in our pre-service, whenever we're praying over our service together around 945. When we're praying together, um, we always say this. Hey, we are not a church that is a cruise ship. And if you'll notice in the game of battleship, there are all sorts of ships, right? All sorts of these little different battleships that do different things. And I'm not going to try to name them because I couldn't even come up with the word subtraction today. So I'm not even going to try. There's all these different ships and boats, okay, that do all these cool things. But a cruise ship is not one of them. Like no one goes, oh, you just sank my cruise ship. Like nobody, nobody does that, all right? But, but sometimes that's how we treat church, right? Like it's a cruise ship. Like, we just sit back. It exists to meet our needs. We go, oh, I like the preaching today. Eh, preaching was a little off this week. Oh, the music was okay. Oh, I really wish they would have had this type of coffee. Oh, the, you know, and we just, we sit back and we just judge based on our preferences and likes uh, about church. And the problem is, the reason 55,000 churches are going to die in the next five years in this country is because we got a lot of people on Sunday mornings not going to a battleship, but going to a cruise ship. 
where they just sit back, relax, and church exists to meet their preferences and needs. But church, when I read the Bible, I do not see a cruise ship. I don't see a cruise ship anywhere in this book. Instead, I see a battleship. And I see a, a church that says, man, we don't run into the bunker when things get hard. We just know that's an opportunity to keep the gospel going. But here's something like this. One time I was doing this at our, the first church we started in Fairfax, and I was giving this analogy. And this guy like raised his hand. And anytime this guy raised his hand, I was always fearful because I never knew what was going to come out of this dude's mouth. And so I ignored it for a long time. Like his hand, and this wasn't during the sermon. This was like during a pre-service thing. And he just kept it. And like, I kept ignoring it and ignoring it. And he kept it. And then he started doing this. Like he's like keeping his hand up, you know? And I'm like, man. And so finally I look and I was like, I'm sorry, we don't. I was like, do, do you have a question? He goes, no. I was like, all right, well, we don't, we don't really have time right now. We got to pray, but maybe you can come talk to me afterwards. He goes, well, I was just going to say. I was like, oh, man. So I went ahead and opened the can. And he goes, pastor, we're actually not on a battleship. And I was like, oh, geez, like, where's, like, don't ruin a good analogy, you know, like, I've got a good thing going here. He goes, actually, what we are is a, uh, we're an aircraft carrier. And I said, uh, yeah, 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 good, good. And then everybody started going, yeah, yeah, that's what we are. I'm like, oh, I've lost them. Like, I hear I've got a little rebellion happening right here in the, in the church. And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, Pastor, listen, you keep saying battleship, and we understand what you're saying. And I said, but we're not a battleship. Like, we're an aircraft carrier. Because an aircraft carrier is still in the battle, but it is sending people out. Like, it is sending people out into the battle. Not just hanging out in the battle, but like, actually, it's not the one, like, we're not the ones just carrying. We're the ones going and sending and fighting this battle and expanding the kingdom and fighting with this kingdom purpose. And I was like, yes, that's right. And, uh, and so I had to repent hardcore after that. But guys, listen to me. Like That's what multiplication is. Multiplication means we are not a cruise ship. We are a battleship. And of the battleship family, we are an aircraft carrier that is ready to send out. No one should just leave this church. We should be sending out. We should be sending college students out. You know why? Because they're about to become a missionary on one of the most lost mission fields in the world, a college campus. Like We should be sending people out. When they say, oh, I'm moving to go take a job somewhere else, we, we should send them out and say, man, don't just leave. Let's send you out as a missionary. When the government says it's time for you to do two more years somewhere else, we don't just say, oh no, please don't leave. We say, great, man, we just got a free missionary on the government's dime to this place. Let's go. And we pray and we send. Guys, we are a church that values multiplication. And we are a people who have to not only live it out, but a people, guys, listen, who are living in the fear of the Lord, who are living by the comfort of the Holy Spirit and who are living with an amazing God-given kingdom purpose. And I want you to know that. And I want you to live in that kingdom purpose. And not just broadly, but tomorrow when you wake up, you have purpose. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for this church. God, thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord, not to just play it safe, Lord, not to just do church the way we've always done it. But Lord, we have the opportunity to be a part of something really special and really biblical. And so Lord, I just pray right now over our church. Many of us may feel inadequate to this task. Many of us may agree with this, but have no clue how this is going to look in our lives. Lord, I just pray right now for the comfort of your Holy Spirit upon us to know that the song we started our worship off with this morning, the battle actually belongs to the Lord. It's not ours. And so, Lord, we give this battle to you. The battle the enemy is waging over Fredericksburg, over the D.C. area, over the nations, over the billion people who've never even heard the name of Jesus, over the Syrian refugees in Athens. Lord, the war that's waging, may we not just sit back as a retired battleship or may we not just sit back as a cruise ship, but Lord, may we go, may we go into these places knowing that the battle is yours and you have declared that not only is the battle yours, but the victory is yours. 
So Jesus, may you remove every insecurity that the enemy has put so deep-seated into our hearts. Would you remove every ounce of fear? And Lord, would you make us a church that walks daily in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and with an amazing kingdom purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.